Welcome, listener, to another exciting edition of This Week in Mormons with the Twim Siblings. How are you Hi, doing, buddy. Melissa? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? It's so fun to be back. Yeah, it's been, it feels like it's been forever since we've recorded an episode of This Week in Mormons. Yeah, it hasn't actually. It's just been a busy time of year. So, so actually, Melissa, I don't know if I feel like I have had COVID for the last month. Like, I feel oh, like do I, you? I, I don't think it's actually COVID, but I've had this sickness that it's like, I, I feel like congested and like I have a cough and then yeah. I feel like it's going away. And then two days later, it's back and it hits me for a week. I feel That's like literally everyone in my life right now. Yeah. Like everyone in my family, I haven't gotten sick at all, but my husband, my kids who all live in different houses, yeah. uh, my, my YSA ward, everyone's sick, but I do think it is COVID. I think COVID is what's been going around. And because it's long lasting is more one of those symptoms of COVID. But um, like my daughter's had the same thing for several weeks and she's taken two COVID tests and they've come back negative. But I just think it's a different strain. I don't know. I'm calling it, I'm calling it long cold. It's the long cold. It's the long cold. Well, I'm I'm a cold long timer. um, Your voice sounds a little bit different, but I I think it sounds more professional, honestly. It's probably because of, yeah. Yeah. Whenever I get sick, <laughs> I try to have a deep, husky voice. Okay, that's really great. I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, Maddie, we're going to start off with the mailbag. Um, right. I'm not going to read this directly from our listener. I'm just going to explain what they said. So, And I think this is a good comment, and we're going to try it out this week, okay? So their comment was when we do our segment called Big Deal, Little Deal, No Deal, which, by the way, is their favorite segment. Because they as, like to play along with us. Yeah, oh. as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, they like to like listen to the headline and decide along with us and say at the same time if they think it's a big deal, a little deal, or no deal. Okay. Um, but what they don't like is um, how we just read the headline of the article. Because, as you know, many headlines are written in a clickbait sort of way. Okay. And so um, it just sort of it seems like we're just reading sensational headlines. And so instead of just reading a headline of an article... We're going to just do a like one sentence recap of the article when we tell it to each other hmm. so that um, we can do big deal, little deal, no deal, and not quite a clickbaity way. Does that I was work hope- for you? I mean, I'll do whatever you say, Melissa, but I was kind of hoping it would be, could we read the entire article in a monotone voice <laughs> <For word. laughs> where, where we don't give any indication if it's a big no deal, little indication. It's just based on yeah. the monotone text. Well, well we, can, we can try we'll, we'll play around with it. Okay. So we'll okay. try, we'll try the listener suggestion this week and we'll see how it goes. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. But we're not doing that yet. First, we're no. going to start with some quick clips. Okay. Um, so this one might not be that quick though, because I have a lot of opinions about it, <laughs> but it is back to school time and yeah. we have a lot of church um, colleges Um, The BYUs, as I like to call them. (laughs) And it's traditional that the BYUs, their presidents, give a welcome back students speech. And And, and Melissa, I think two of them have new presidents. So it's like they're brand brand new presidents giving. Okay, tell me more. BYU has a new president and BYU-Idaho has a new president. And they're both giving their first First welcome back speeches. Yeah. As president. Okay, great, great, great. Well, so, um, so yeah, so President Reese spoke at um, BYU. He gave a, he gave a great talk to the students um, where he talked about a lot of the changes. um, But mainly he said, like, we're not going to make a lot of changes. BYU is going in a great direction. Um, but yeah, but like we um, are going to continue to be BYU. We're going to continue to press forward with a lot of things that President Worthen was it Worthen did. Um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but he did talk about that they're going to start some new programs, like a freshman kind of um, orientation program where freshmen can kind of feel more integrated and kind of um, get adjusted to, to college life a little bit easier. I think that's that's pretty typical for universities these days, well, don't you think? Will they call it EFF, especially for freshmen? Uh, <laughs> Let's submit. Let's submit that. I hope so. I think they're calling it connections, but yeah, EFF is much more fun. Yeah. Um, and then he talked about the um, the principal based dress and grooming standards. I think all of the BYU presidents hit on the dress and grooming standards, right? Yeah, because it's a change from before. Explain that a little bit more if you can. Um, so the twin sisters talked about this a little bit last week, but. Mm-hmm. It used to be that the honor code was the same at all of the BYUs. You're not supposed to cheat. You're not supposed to lie. You're supposed to be, let's just say, temple worthy. But they had different dress and grooming standards. So like BYU Hawaii, for instance, they could wear maybe shorts and sandals and things like that. But at BYU-Idaho, you couldn't really wear sandals and you had to wear pants, like long Mm -hmm. pants, no shorts. And they standardized that to where the dress and grooming standards are the same at all of the BYUs. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think what most of them are saying is like, yes, um, we know that this is a different standard from different universities, but hello, we're BYU. We're Mm -hmm. different for a reason, right? Like this is an outward reflection of our inward commitment to our school's unique missions, right? So we are, we're trying to live a higher standard, I guess, or we're trying Mm -hmm. to reflect who we are in how we look. Uh, they say that they want to stand apart, that they want to be yeah. distinct from other places. Yeah, yeah. But, but the higher standard, only BYU's president spoke of it as a higher standard. Neither of the other two presidents spoke of it as a higher standard. Well, I don't think really that that they want to look at it that way, right? Because what they're saying is that we're all coming to the same standard, right? Like kind of making it so we're all the same, but compared to other universities, we're a higher standard. Yeah. But I don't even know that that's true, right? Because there are a dress code is not a new thing and whatever dress code they have at BYU, I guarantee there's like private high schools that are much more strict in their dress code than what the BYUs are doing. Right. But the reason that the BYUs are doing it is because they want to show that we're, um, that we're representing, well, this is what President Reese said. He said, uh, we're representing the Savior and um, our covenants and our elevated standard. Yeah, he said all of those things. Yeah, so, but that's not what President Meredith said. President, yeah. President Meredith talked about it in terms of um, integrity. And you made a commitment to follow the honor code and the dress and grooming standards when you chose to come here. And so you have integrity and you follow the dress and grooming standards, even if you don't understand the why behind the dress and grooming standards. And then President Coway from BYU Hawaii, (laughs) he said something that I thought was super interesting. He was like, and by the way, these standards shouldn't be like your whole, your sole guide. There should, there are things that are not in these standards that maybe you ought to consider. And then he specifically said he encouraged the men to carefully consult some women in their life about whether they should have a mustache or not. Because Oh. Right? Because a mustache okay. is okay with the dress and grooming standards, <laughs> but some mustaches are a little bit creepy. At least some some might suggest that a Is mustache... he saying you need to check and see if your woman wants to kiss you with that on your face? 
I'm... Well, so in, at BYU Idaho, I see lots. And November's that month when men grow facial no, hair out. November, right? Yeah. So I see so many young students, guys, that are growing out these nasty mustaches because they want to keep the dress and grooming standards. Uh-huh. And I just say we're setting ourselves apart from the world, but I don't know that it's a positive thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this: Do you say that to them? Of course, I do. You point out, you say, hey, I think your mustache is getting a little long, my friend. No, 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 no. I, no, I don't do that. No, because I do, I do point out, I say, I say, look, if, we're th- if we think honestly about it, you all would look better with beards than with mustaches. Yes. I think, that, I think that's an okay thing for me to say. For sure. <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up is because um, President Reese, um, so BYU President Reese, he, he gave a, a speech that was just to the faculty and staff of BYU. And so, and it was called, um, uh, it was called quick to observe. So he related it to the book of Mormon prophet, you know, who was quick to observe. Anyways. Uh, who would that be? Enos? I no. think it was. Mar- no, no, that's the, that's Mar- the stripling warriors. No, no, no. It was Moroni. I think he was quick no. to observe all things. It's the sons of Helaman. It doesn't matter. He okay. says it okay. in his speech and he calls it quick to observe. And so, um, so when he's talking about these dress and grooming standards, he's saying like, hey, the first thing that um, we should do is we should all as employees commit to living these standards in our own lives, right? So he's like, I commit to all of you. I'm going to live these standards. I want all of you to commit to me that you're going to live these dress and grooming standards. Cool, cool. Because like you said, it's a church school. You know what you're signing up for. You're there for a reason. It's supposed to add to the spirit. It's supposed to add to everything about the education at a church school. And yes. and. Feel lucky Listen, to be there, right? I wish that all I had to do was follow the student dress and grooming standards. Yeah, that's my true. Standards, my standards higher. I have to wear a shirt and tie and mm-hmm. slacks to, yeah. to work, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could wear shirts and, or shorts and sandals to teach. Um, but he was saying beyond just at school, he was saying in your personal lives, commit to live these standards in your day to day lives too, not just when you're on campus, which is part oh. of the honor code, right? Like it has to do with not just when you're on campus. Right. So the honor code—that's true. The yeah. dress and grooming standards had—I don't—I haven't looked at the new change. But when I was doing um, ecclesiastical endorsements, the dress and grooming standards were a different thing from the honor code, right? So okay. we okay. always live temple-worthy standards. But the dress and grooming standards—if you're not at school, why would you have to follow those dress and grooming standards? Because so, you're making a personal commitment. But that's always been a, a subject that wasn't ever part of the honor code before. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, the second thing he said, and this is what really kind of irked me, because I'm a loyal listener to BYU devotionals. Like, I love to listen to them. But he said, um, uh, so after number one, which is live these yourselves, he said, number two, I ask all of you to help reinforce these principles and point out a lack of integrity when you see other people who are not living these principles. So reinforce these principles with people that you see and point out their lack of integrity if they're not living the principles. Mm. And then he said, we will have a BYU team available to teach you how to um, help employ these revisions and how to help students learn. So we're going to have a BYU team to help you learn because some of these discussions will require practice, training, and sensitivity. Okay, so what he's saying is what you need to do is look around you and when people aren't following these standards, like this is our university, point it out to them and teach them and remind them that they are not living with integrity and that they need to adjust. And he does say, yeah, like you need to tell people when they need to adjust and assist them. I'm quoting this, assist them in their commitment to principles. 
I think uh-huh. I have an idea, Melissa. Trust me. Next yeah. time I go to a BYU football game, I'm going to yeah. bring some sweatpants with me and then they'll help the cheerleaders put on some sweatpants and be like, hey, those skirts, they're not. I don't think you're living in um, in uh, integrity. Yeah. So or, here's or my problem. Set, yeah. like he We can set up police stops, Melissa, on yes. campus and ask for beard cards and be like, uh, uh, uh. That's what it feels like, right? Like it feels like I'm teaching you to be so judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. Like your job is to look around you and when somebody needs told, hey, you're not living the standard, you should point that out, which he literally said. The other thing he did is he um, he correlated this to the new for the strength of youth. So he said, you know, yeah. the new for the strength of the youth is based on principles. And so um, that's much how the new honor code is. It's based on principles. And so, not the honor code, the dress and grooming standards. I guess uh-huh. we need to be clear if those are two separate oh, no. things. No, the, the honor code is based on the same principles and they've changed it, aligned it more with like Temple Recommend interviews and stuff. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. okay. So he said, so then he read for the strength of youth, but he changed the word parents and for the strength of youth to BYU employees. And he changed oh. the world to children in for the strength of youth to students, okay? So mm-hmm. he says, where it says, um, parents should guide their children. He said, um, BYU employees should guide, guide students in making righteous choices and daily decisions. So he's saying like, this is literally your responsibility to make sure that everybody is following these dress and grooming standards. So this part that you're quoting from is from a talk he gave to employees and to faculty. Yeah, yeah. It's still under the um, BYU devotionals. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay with him doing that. To asking, I'm okay with him asking faculty and employees to help enforce the dress and grooming standards. Hmm. I'm not because here's the thing. These students are full grown adults. Okay. Yeah, yeah. These are full grown adults. Some of them are married and have their own families, right? Sure. Here's the thing. I understand we all agree to live a certain way and that that's part of the beauty and privilege of going to BYU. And I'm totally fine with that. What I'm not fine with is teaching people that as members of the church, it's our job to tell other members of the church when they're not living the way they should. That is so, that is so everything that has been wrong with the church for so many generations is that we point out each other's flaws. We judge each other. We tell each other, you're not doing it right. And now as a whole BYU faculty, I'm telling you out loud that this is your job. Look around. And when people aren't living the right way, you should point it out to them. And and if you don't know how to point it out to them in the right way with sensitivity, don't worry. We have a team to teach you how to point it out to other people. Like it's just so mind-bogglingly rude and disrespectful and judgmental to full grown adults. You're not their helicopter parent. (laughs) You're their peer. I'm sorry. You're their peer. I've tried so many times to get you to come back to BYU after your Rick's College experience, and you do not like it, primarily for these reasons. Well, again, I'm, I am I think that if you choose to go to the school, you should choose to live the standards and you should live them. I don't think that you should look around you and tell everybody else that yeah. they're doing it wrong. I just have a problem with that, you know? And yeah. I read the BYU-Idaho president's um, speech, and he actually said, he kind of said the same thing. I'll find it. So I'll quote it. He says, Finally, I want to be very clear. So this is, again, is the BYU-Hawaii president. Yeah. Um, he says, um, okay, wait. Oh, shoot. I just I just missed it. Okay. It's okay. 
Um, it says, finally, the honor code states that you have committed to encourage others in their commitment to comply with the honor code and dress and grooming standards. Yeah. This means that as a roommate, friend, co-worker, you should do what you can to help others honor their commitments. Yeah. Um, and, and then he says, look to faculty and staff for an example. And he says, in many cases, living outside of the honor code puts a person in danger. Standing back while people you know and love are cheating on schoolwork. Okay, is that, I'm sorry, does that put a person in danger? I'm so confused. <laughs> doing danger, nothing, doing danger. nothing while others are putting their physical or mental health at risk only leads to more harm. When one of us is in danger, we should do what? ever is necessary, even hard things to protect each other. Reporting a concern to the office of honor should come after setting a, tr a good example. So he's basically saying the same thing. Like he's yeah. saying it in a little different way, but like he's saying like, it's your obligation to look around you at friends and roommates. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, report them. I, that is so well, icky to me. That's so <laughs> icky. Well, he says report them as maybe a last step. Right? Sure. He so says, be a good it. example first, then have a conversation with them yeah, yeah, and then report them. So I think that um, this is my feeling on this. I have, I have a lot of friends who have sent their kids to BYU or BYU-Idaho um, mm -hmm. because they want there to be a certain environment that their kids go to. They say, right. I want a spiritually safe atmosphere. And yeah. then these kids go to the BYUs and they're smoking marijuana and they're partying yeah. and and it's not the kind of safe atmosphere that these parents thought that they were getting. Yeah. And I do think that it requires a community to create the kind of community that you want. So I'm not in favor of pointing out people's flaws and telling them that they're wrong, but that's yeah. not the only way you can encourage people to be good. Mm -hmm. I encourage students to be good in my classes when we're not talking about the honor code and I say yeah. something like going to church is important, or I talk yeah. about living the word of wisdom is important. But I think that if you see somebody doing something wrong and then you point the finger at them and say, that's wrong, that's probably the worst possible way to encourage them. Yeah. But I, I do think that we all want faculty and staff and employees and even students at the BYUs to encourage each other to live the standards in, in the healthiest way possible. And yeah. I think, I think that's what they're asking for. I do think that's what they're asking for too. My and and I agree and I I'm so glad that there are universities that have that atmosphere. That we have places like that. Like it's one of the best things that our church does is these church schools. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think we're teaching a whole generation that it's okay to point out when other people aren't doing things right and that is the part I don't like. I agree. I don't think that if, if somebody's taking from that message the idea that they should point it out to people, what they're doing, and say, fix that, change that, yeah. I, I also disagree with that. But I hear yeah. encourage, and I think something different. I think yeah. let's try and build a community in whatever way we can. And And it's not good if employees say, well, it's not my responsibility to try to create this community here, because it is. they do have an obligation. Even yeah. if all you do is work in food service, you're a part of that community and parents and kids are hoping for something different there. And you have some small role in making that happen. And mm -hmm. if everybody just says, it's none of my business, then you're never going to create that atmosphere. 
Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, um, we've talked a lot about this. Listeners, you're welcome to click on the links in the show notes and read these um, speeches for yourselves and and kind of um, see what you think and let us know what you think. We'd we'd be happy to hear you chime in. And I do want to be clear, like, I do think that this is, that 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 is the message overarching that the presidents were trying to get across is kind of the way you put it. I just think the way that it actually did come across, I was really concerned about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's stay on the BYU's because, you know, BYU-Idaho announced this new three-year degree program. Yeah. Is it just BYU-Idaho that's doing it right now? So it's BYU-Idaho and Ensign College. Okay. And this is what the twin sisters sort of touched on last week. Yeah. Okay. Go on. So just just for like context, there are, let's say, 25,000 students in the church enrolled in online programs at BYU-Idaho or Ensign College right now. That would be my guess. It's about 25,000. And they showed me the numbers a couple of weeks ago. They award, of those of those people, they get about 600 people that finish a bachelor's degree and about the same number that finish an associate's degree. Wow. So yeah, That's so, hardly any. It's, it's really bad numbers, right? And so... Oh, wait, so, is that their... Is that their reason in going to the colleges or some of these like tech degrees that they're earning? No, this is BYU Pathways. So so you're a person who lives in Africa or you're an adult who never finished college and you say, I want to go back to school and get a degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so what they came up with, I'm going to say like six or seven years ago, and there's a link to this in the show notes. Okay. What they came up with is this idea of a certificate. So what you do, you first complete BYU Pathways, this little intro thing to get you used to college. Yeah. And there's a spiritual component to that. And then you complete a certificate, which is basically think of it like a minor. You could get a certificate in uh, web design or like uh, digital marketing. And you take five or six classes in that. And then you get a certificate. And then that certificate helps you to get a job in that field. Yeah. So for a lot of students, that's all they need, right? Is the certificate. Especially outside of the United States. Yeah. Okay. And And then they say, let's say you want an associate's degree. Okay, then you should complete a different certificate, maybe in bookkeeping and accounting, and then complete some GE courses so that we can call this an associate's degree. Okay. So then if you do so those GE students, courses are like the kind of courses that you take your first two years of college just yeah. to hit all of the areas. R- writing, math, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Science. social sciences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then if you want a bachelor's degree, you complete a third certificate in something else that's maybe career oriented. And then you do some more GE classes and then you get a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is they were looking at those numbers and they were saying, we've got all these students that have certificate one, certificate two, GE for associates and certificate three, but they're not able to get a bachelor's degree because they have all of these GE classes left that they haven't completed. Mm-hmm. And so what they said to the accreditation board is, could we just have them get the bachelor's degree without all of those GE classes? And then that's what they've approved as the three-year degree. Um, I love that, frankly. Now, I I understand that that's not a traditional college route, but college is expensive. And if you're able, like, I'm, I, I think there's a lot of majors that those GE classes don't necessarily apply toward, right? Besides yeah. getting a well-rounded education. So I guess what we're cutting out is the well-roundedness of an education. And we're just <laughs> focusing on career education. 
Right. So to me, that's the whole point of a college education. True. Right? Yeah, is it that, is different. Yeah. Is that cultural training, the civic obligation training, how to think and all of that higher level cognitive stuff. So so to me, what they're calling a three-year bachelor's degree, isn't that what you get at a tech school? Yeah, it sounds college? like it. Yeah. yeah. It sounds so like a tech school. I'm not opposed to it. I think it's wonderful. I feel like there are thousands of people in the church who could benefit from this, especially since, I, like I said, there's 25,000 people enrolled in these online classes and so few actually finish. I'm, they're saying that it's because of this, the current standards. Let me ask you this, if you know, if, if I graduate with one of these three-year degrees and then I want to go on to get like a master's degree or let's say like, you know, I want to go on to law school or to um, like, you know, dentistry school, does this degree count towards that? Like, can I, or do I have to complete all of the generals to continue my education? Do you know? Yeah. So the, the presentation I saw, they have a student who did this in South America. I can't remember the country. I think it's Argentina and is now going to Harvard MBA. They're going to Boston to go to MBA at Harvard. Hmm, Interesting. they're, They're really excited about that. Um, I, but I just think it's important for people to understand like this, this is a very special, unique situation, and I don't think it fits all degrees. I, mm-hmm. You can't get an engineering degree in three years. There's a lot of things you can't yeah. do in three years. Yeah. But I do think it's something to be excited about, that the church is trying to find a way, especially applied skills, right, where there's right. people that all they need is like, hey, teach me how to do accounting so I can go to get a better job and support my family. Yeah, well, especially where Pathways has really been focused on career training, um, I think it. I think it's great to think outside of the box and and to find ways that we can make that easier for people. So yeah. But I do think people need to be aware of what it is, yeah. right? Because BYU, BYU Idaho, and BYU Pathways are very different places with different missions and sure. different outcomes. And so yeah. if you say, "Hey, I'm, instead of my kid going to BYU, I'm going to have him go do this BYU Pathway thing," you just have to know what they're going to have very limited choices, and it's going to be uh-huh. very career oriented. Okay. But, and cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, I would like to tell you that our church has a new streaming app and you might think, um, Hey, are we behind the times? Because, um, apps have been around (laughs) for decades now. I actually was wondering. I want you to know that it's called gospel stream and that, um, what the church is trying to do is consolidate all of their media things together into one app. So I don't know if you've been on your Roku and seen like the Mormon channel, um, which is actually called the Latter-day Saint channel now. Um, And then like you, if you're on the church website, you have like your media library and, and then there's other places where it has like um, friend magazine. So like it's trying to consolidate all of that into one app and it's going to do live broadcasts on the app. Again, just if, if you didn't catch it, it's called Gospel Stream. So you can download it now. And the very first broadcast that they're going to do is the October General Conference. So that's going to be broadcast live on the app. So I do think this is good because you no longer have to have, um, you know, a certain kind of connection to, I don't know. I mean, I think you could always watch it on the conference. church's website, but I think it was a little bit later. So yeah, you can just stream it live. And then any of the devotionals that they do, like the young single adult devotionals, all of those devotionals, the primary devotional, that's all going to be streamed live on the app too. And then they are actually getting rid of that Mormon channel or that Latter-day Saint channel that will not be around anymore. 
um, the radio things that they've had, like um, their different um, places for like podcasts and radio, all of that is going to be on this gospel stream app and not in all of the different places now. I I know why they did this, Melissa. Oh, because um, why? Because as a parent, you want to lock down your kids' phones on Sunday and only allow oh. a handful of apps. And yeah. if they have so many apps, it's just too confusing <laughs> which are the apps my kids can use on Sunday. And okay. so there's just going to be two apps, the library app, <laughs> the, the streaming library, app. And the gospel or, stream. Or the tools. There's three apps, tools, okay. library, streaming. Nothing else is allowed on Sunday. Oh, I think that's exactly what they had in mind, Matt. Yeah. You have unlocked... Yeah everything (laughs) well i think are you gonna download it what do you think i never listen to lds content like streaming content yeah i i don't either um but i mean i think i'll download it just to have it on my phone like it would be nice if like a lot of the um you know how when you're teaching a lesson and you want to pull up a video from the media library it never works in church it'd be great if it worked just a lot better and smoother from the app. So I, I could see me using oh. it for something like that. Yeah. I still have TV, like antenna TV. So when I want to watch okay. Channel Conference, it's on TV. And BYU TV, I get on the antenna. So yeah. I just, I don't have, I just don't I use think my worldwide, it's probably going to be a lot more valuable than yeah. for someone like you who's very old fashioned. Hey, so what <laughs> we're doing now, Matt, it's called a podcast. <laughs> So it's kind of this technology. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to get the Daniel's perspective on yeah. the app. Yeah. So I think have cool. a... Oh, hey, Melissa, this is a story. I don't know if it was on your radar at all, but this September okay. marks the 30th anniversary of the September 6th. Um, and this was a, this happened in 1993. Um, some LDS scholars, um, thinkers were excommunicated from the church all this month. And then some the ones who worked at BYU. Yeah, some people at BYU were also denied tenure and fired and things like that. Okay, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, so there's a book that came out um, recently, published by Signature Books by a non LDS scholar of religious studies, and then um, there was a symposium, and so I put a link to an article all about this. Okay. In, In the academic world, people remember it and say they say it like froze out a whole generation of young LDS scholars. But I just wonder, like, from your perspective, like, looking back, do you mm-hmm. see any impact of this? Does, does it mean anything to you at all? Do you think about it at all? Um, I don't think about it often, but when I do think about it, this is what I think. My recollection is that a lot of these six were um, were promoting ideology that back then was radical, like maybe like feminist ideology, yeah. right? Heavenly Mother, feminist, yeah. and some of the LGBTQ and- stuff. Yes. And I think a lot of that is just um, like today would not be considered extreme at all, would not be considered um, the way they considered it back then. It was almost like it was dangerous doctrine. Right. Yeah. And and I think if any of those people said any of those things today, there would be no problem in no way would they be excommunicated. Um, in fact, today we have a much more society where questioning is encouraged. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to me, I think that's the main thing that I look back and think like, really, it's, it's tragic. It's sad that this happened in our history to these people who wanted to be faithful members of the church um, and were no longer allowed to be because they had opinions that were unpopular then, but now would be mainstream. Yeah. But it's kind of always that way, right? Galileo was excommunicated for saying yeah. the earth goes around the sun instead of the other way around. 
Yeah. It's always kind of that way. Do you think, I don't think we excommunicate as much now for belief though, right? I think excommunication now is much more based on breaking covenants. Um, I do think it's all about your form and your position and where you're at. So, hmm. Hmm. so I do think that if you're in the quorum of the 70 or you're a general authority and you're teaching things that are contrary to the leadership of the church, you would get excommunicated for that. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what makes this unusual mm-hmm. is because th- it doesn't happen all that often. And, and you can sort of say, well, you shouldn't be excommunicating me for my beliefs. And they would say, it's not for your beliefs. It's for how you're talking about those beliefs and where you're sharing right. those beliefs. And, and yeah, yeah, I do. I do actually, I, I know that there are mistakes, but I have a lot of faith in the local leaders of the church. And, and when there's disciplinary actions, I tend not to like question them because I just have a lot of faith in that process. But as, yeah. a, as like, if you can look back on it and say, wow, what an interesting coincidence that that many people were excommunicated in such a short period of time. And you can, hmm. it's easy to see kind of some kind of like broader conspiracy there. But um, I remember I also, being like at the time, everybody was shocked, but it hasn't affected my life in any meaningful way. I understand. Yeah. Um, I also like that excommunication or I, I know it's called something different these days, um, but I like that it's handled at the local level also. I yeah. think that's the most respectful and actually loving and genuine way for those kinds of things to be handled. And I, I know that what that brings is that two people could commit the exact same sin or infraction and receive different consequence, right? Receive yep. different discipline. Yeah. Um, and I get that that's frustrating to people, but I also, I really think that the local level is the most loving way to handle these things. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll just say this real fast. I've been on, I can't count how many disciplinary councils, many, many, many of them. Mm-hmm. And I always hated going to them. It's yeah. one of my least favorite things. But I have to say, uh, it's one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. Because um, especially if the person is repentant, um, you just get a really strong, um, the, the Holy Ghost is there very strong, kind of guiding the process. And I've never had a situation where the person uh, involved in it was angry and upset and bitter afterwards. It was, it was always been a positive experience at the end. Uh, that's good. That I've been in. But I know that that's not universally true. Right. But that is, that is the best case scenario. That is what we hope for. And that is kind of what it's set up for. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good talk, Maddie. Um, <laughs> did you know, um, so were you ever really into the Joseph Smith papers? They're yeah, kind I of in those. That. I know. Yeah. I, thought, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. So those are complete. And now that those are complete, the church is actually um, commissioned a new biography. So a full scale biography about Joseph Smith. Who's going to write it? Um, Well, it's a former church historian. Do you want to, do you want to guess his name? Uh, Yeah. Wait, is it Arrington's dead, right? Leonard Arrington. Arrington. Nope. Is it? uh, It is a former church historian, Turley, Richard Turley. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he's I'm not excited about that, but that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, do you have personal beef or? <laughs> no, no, there's just other historians I like more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jensen. I like Jensen. Yeah. Um, anyways, Richard Charlie has been commissioned to write the biography. It's going to be a very, very big, comprehensive, full um, biography. Um, and it's going to mainly focus on his role as a prophet, as opposed to just focusing on his entire life. Um, now I know kind of- yeah, this is why they didn't commission me. Yeah, yeah. I, my biography of Joseph Smith and the Joseph Smith papers would have been very different. 
It would oh. have been a thousand things you've never heard about Joseph Smith. And it'd oh, be like, okay. well, did you know that he wasn't that funny? His jokes were not often met with laughter oh. in Bunger Gate. I don't know, something okay. like that. Uh, may I invite you to write a bi- biography along with Turley <laughs> and we'll see which one does better. How's that sounds? <laughs> a thousand little known facts about Joseph, Joseph Smith. Smith. Did you know he didn't love oatmeal? <laughs> okay, yeah. So yours okay. will be geared toward the primary children. Anyway, <laughs> it's going to take several years to write. Okay. Well, my news is exciting. Um, the church, for the first time ever, is going to dedicate three temples in one day, and it's happening this wow. Sunday. Yeah. Okay. What three temples? Um, okay, now I'm on the spot. Moses Lake. Oh, Washington. Uh huh. And then, uh, hold on, now I have to click on the link to find out. I want to guess there's ben- one in Utah, Saratoga Springs, maybe? Nope, Bentonville, Arkansas. Oh, okay. And Brasilia, Brazil. Oh, okay. So yeah. is that the first time this has ever happened? Three in a yeah. day? It's, I think yeah. it is. Okay, yeah. cool. That's su- it should be our most spiritual Sunday ever. If you guys don't feel the glow of three temples being dedicated, <laughs> move closer to Bentonville. Move closer to Bentonville. <laughs> Moses Lake. Moses Lake, imagine you got Moses in the name. That's and then right. You got a temple dedication. You got to feel something with the Moses Lake temple <laughs> dedication. And if you don't, I don't know. I don't All know right. what that says. Okay, Matt, our last quick clip um, is a statistic story because I know you love statistics. I okay? do. So um, this story is a self-reported survey. I know Uh that's going to be important to you. Okay. Uh Yep. Basically, the overarching story is that Mormons are among the most likely Americans to have a gun in their household. So (laughs) when self-reporting whether you or someone in your household owns a gun, 54% of white and evangelicals say yes, Uh and 52% of Mormons say yes. So, and and by the way, that's got to be underreported, right? Because there's a lot of people yeah. that own guns that say, I'm not telling you if I own a gun or not, because I've done lots of surveys where we ask people these questions. So uh-huh. I'm Do not at all surprised. Who's the least likely to um, um, themselves or someone in their household own a gun? Let's or say like religious groups. Baha'i. Uh, Baha'i <laughs> is not listed, but... Um, um, Buddhist. Uh, no, Buddhist is right in the middle at 32%. Hindu is 8%. Oh, of course. Yep. Because Hindus wouldn't even use a gun for hunting. But yeah. Buddhists should have kind of been in that same group too. Oh, okay. Well, they are not. Anyways, um, Mormons, as they are titled in this statistical article. Melissa, guns. you have to tell the story about your young women and youth activities and yes. guns. Well, we uh, listen. We live in a very rural and uh, uh, hick. We like to call ourselves <laughs> hicks society. Uh, when I moved into this uh, this neighborhood, I got called into young women's right away, which I was thrilled about. So I worked with the Laurels. So the first activity that we went to, they said, uh, "Yeah, we're going to be shooting guns tonight." And I was like, "The Laurels?" And they were like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I show up. Every single Laurel has their own gun. Every uh, single girl has their own gun. We've got clay pots. They know they're trained. They have licenses. They know how to use them. <laughs> and of course, if we're going to have guns, we should practice shooting them. We're not idiots. We're not just going to like have a gun and not train. That's what we did. Our very first young women's activity. At least once a year, we got together with the priests and had an activity where we shot clay pigeons and the bishop cooked scones. And that wow. like, it's just, it's a way of life. Yep. I know. My son was thinking about what to do for the day date for homecoming. Okay. And two of the young men are like, we should go shooting guns. And I'm like, what? 
shooting guns for a homecoming date? What are you guys talking about? Listen, it's a way of life. It is. And apparently that's why so many members of our church own guns. Okay. Well, that was fun. Hey, do you have a new segment for us, Maddie? I sure do. It's called Famous Mormons. Do you have music? You love Famous Mormons. I don't have music. Dang it. You wanted me to sing. I'm sorry. I'll grab my tambourine next time. Um, No, but (laughs) this this is where you tell me three people (laughs) who are famous, famous famous adjacent And Mormon or Mormon adjacent. And I pick which one is Mormon adjacent. None of these people are famous adjacent. So, all right. So this time the question is, which famous YouTuber, do you know what a YouTuber is? I do know what a YouTuber is, but I don't watch a lot unless it's Matt's Off-Road Recovery. Is it Matt's Off-Road Recovery? Oh man, I could have put him on the list. I don't know if he's LDS. These people all have... He's the only one I I watch. I think Matt's Off-Road Recovery is in the 500,000 views on YouTube. Okay. I think some of his videos get in the millions, but I don't think he has a million subscribers. Okay. All of these people have a million subscribers or more. So they're very famous YouTubers. Yes. Okay, Okay, great. So the first is Mark Rober. Do you know who he is? He does like science-y things, but makes them fun? Yeah, Is that right? right. He He was a NASA engineer. Okay, and yeah. Then, okay. The yeah, next person like is the next person is Ruby Frank or Frankie. Do you know she's who she is? She's been in the news for abusing her kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> terrible. You have this wonderful it's YouTube terrible. channel called Eight Passengers. Okay, go on. And then the last one is the Jaeger family. Have you heard of them? No. They are, they, they make fun videos as a family, and um, listen, it's a trick, Melissa. They're all Mormons. Matt. <laughs> Let me guess. They're all Mormons. Yeah, it was all just a ploy so that we could talk about Ruby Frank. Well, I knew Ruby Frank was. Well, Frankie, I don't know who this. I yeah, don't know this it's a terribly sad story, and it makes me ill. Um, just to think, I don't know. Like there. Okay, here's the thing. I don't understand the desire to record your children and put them on the internet. Okay, yeah. like. I understand if you want to do that for yourself, but if you want to make money off your family's way of life, I think it's a little weird, but I know a lot of people do it and that's fine. But then to take the Jaeger family and then to take it one step further. Okay. And be like, because I am a good parent, that's why you should follow me. Like here are my children and here is me like parenting them in such an excellent way that I would like to make money off of it. It's weird for me to start with. So I don't watch those kind of things and I don't follow those kinds of things, but I know they're popular. Yeah. I just wanted to say you're like this horrific abuser. I, I, I can't like, but I think all the news right now is about this Mormon YouTuber who did this horrible thing. And Uh so I just wanted to point out that there are Mormon YouTubers who don't do horrible things. Okay. What do they do? I mean, I haven't watched their channel, but. Um, and what I think it is, is they just do pranks on each other or they play uh-huh. games or they just do fun family things. I don't know okay. what they do, but they're super okay. popular. Um, Isn't there um, a Shay? Um... Okay, keep talking. Well, this is a question that I want to ask. It seems to me like there is an, a disproportional number of members of our church who are famous YouTubers. Sure. Like, and I want to know, why do you think that is? Why do you think that... So many, like disproportionate members of our church do this YouTube thing. Uh, Instagram. Just me thinking off the top of my head. Uh, Number one, we have a lot of entrepreneurs. 
Okay. And so this is an entrepreneur kind of thing. Like that's how I view Mark Rober, right? Like, yes, he had a full-time job with NASA and it went really well, but also like he wanted to branch out and do his own thing. And it's kind of an entrepreneurial thing that he's doing on YouTube. Yep. Second, we have a lot of stay at home moms, right? So it's a lot easier to make money from home if what you're doing is shooting what you're doing at home. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So yeah. that's kind of what I think. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think those are both really good points. Um, I do so think good. there's actually something. Don't you think our church teaches people from a young age to perform? I think we have a disproportionate number of people just generally in the performing arts because as a primary kid, you're singing in church and you're speaking in church. And like, I think we really encourage performing and doing what you do in front of people and sharing what you think with other people. I think our church encourages that and teaches those skills more than other churches might. And so maybe that's part of it too. That's, that's that's some good thoughts. Okay. Interesting. I think it's, I think it's too bad what happened with uh, the eight passengers people yeah. And I think that it's a lesson for all of us that you shouldn't just believe everything you see on the internet mm-hmm. and people aren't, you, you might think, you know, somebody, but you maybe really don't know them. Yeah. But yeah. I wanted us to rem- remind ourselves that there's lots of really good Mormon YouTubers. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. That was really genuine of you, Matt. Okay. Now <laughs> it's time for big deal, little deal, no deal. Okay. No. I'm going to do a really good job and not just go with the the dicey headlines. Right. That's what I want you to do. I want you to give me a sentence or maybe two sentences about what the whole story is about. And then give me a three, two, one, and we'll say whether we think it's big deal, little deal, or no deal. Okay. Okay. An LDS bishop has a different take on church finances. He wrote all about all of the good things that the church does with its money. Okay. Three, two, one. No deal. I say no deal. I say little deal. Well, just because I think this is something that people have been talking about a lot lately is church finances. And so maybe, you know, this is a little bit of a deal to hear a different perspective on it. There's a link to the Desert News article if people want to read about it. Um, The church does a lot of good that doesn't get noticed. And he mentions all the things that he did as a bishop in helping with like with food and rent and all of the services like his ward would provide to people in need. But I just feel like that is a different discussion than what the church does with its tithing money. Okay. And so that's why I say no deal, because I feel like he's diverting the discussion away, right? Like everyone's talking about like, what are you doing with this tithing money? And he's saying, but wait, look at all the other good things that people do. And it's like, but that's not what that conversation is. You're changing the subject. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Then here's my, um, my headline. Okay. Okay. It is. It is now possible to make group reservations for endowment temple sessions online. Okay. Three, two, one. No deal. No deal. <laughs> <laughs> no deal. We both agree. Uh, it is oh, no yeah. deal. Listen, like, uh, you could make reservations for ceilings or baptisms for groups before. Now you yes. can make them for endowments. Yeah. That's fine. You could also just go to the temple without a reservation. The other thing that this article says is that, oh, but by the way, if you're a ward, you should still um, call or email. So, I mean, it, <laughs> wow. for me, for me uh, the endowment is something I like to do by myself. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of conversation that happens in that. And, yeah. and I don't want to engage in conversation with other people. And so the fact that I can now do that with my friends doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Okay, fair, fair. Okay, moving on. Okay, the church clarifies that Operation Underground Railroad founder Tim Ballard 
betrayed his friendship with President M. Russell Ballard when Tim claimed that the LDS Church was supporting his cause. Okay. That's a lot, I know. Yeah, but, okay. okay. I'm, I'm there. Three, two, one. Big no deal. No deal. No, no, it's no a big deal. deal. Why is it uh, no deal? Well, because it's, to be honest, is Tim Ballard related to Russell Ballard? No, but people okay. would, but people ask that question all the time. Okay. And, and as he's raising money, because under Underground Railroad is related to that movie. Sex trafficking and to child trafficking. Yeah. And do you remember that movie that was really popular o- yeah. over the summer? Yeah. yeah. So as he's going around talking about that, he would imply that the church was like one of their supporters, one of their founders, and he was connecting Operation Underground Railroad to the church. And in part, that's because he and M. Russell Ballard had, they were sort of friends. And so it's a big deal, I think, for the church to say, hey, don't use our name like that. And don't say that we're supporting this because they're not. And so okay. I, think, I think it's a big deal because I think a lot of people, when you put the church's name to something, it, it creates a sense of legitimacy and authority that okay. uh, maybe he shouldn't have been doing. Okay. So are, are we sure that that is what he did is associate the church's name or was the, he just known as an, as a member of the church and that's how it got associated. We're sure that he was associating the church's name because the church made a public statement saying that the church has no relationship and he betrayed the friendship he had with M. Russell Ballard when he okay. made those statements. Okay. Well that story might actually tie in with my next story. So um, keep that in mind when I tell you this headline. Okay. Few, few public figures, if any public figures since Brigham Young, have done more to shape America's impression of Mormonism than Mitt Romney. <laughs> Got it? That sounds like clickbait. <laughs> I know. I tried to reword it a little bit, but. Um, no, no, it's good. That's good. Okay, I'm ready. ready. I've got okay. my answer. Three, two, one big deal. deal. No, no, okay. Melissa. Okay. he is the most influential person since Brigham Young, and he's our senator in the state of Utah. We are so lucky. Well, is he the most influential? What they said is the way he's shaped America's impression of Mormonism. So well, I do yeah. think he's done. I do think he's brought Mormonism to the spotlight a lot more since he's become a public figure, and. Um, like, so for example, well, I guess it should be stated that Mitt Romney just announced he is not going to run for re-election as a senator in the state of Utah. He's going to retire yeah. at the he's end of his too, current term. He's too old. Um, the That's reason I can said. get related. Okay. Well, I- I'm really <laughs> trying not to speak badly of Mitt Romney while I cover this story because. Oh, like, do you not like Mitt Romney? I don't like Mitt Romney. What? I'm Melissa. sure he's a decent person. I feel like, okay, here's the thing. I met him in person when I toured DC once. And I, I mean, no offense. I'm sure he's a nice person, but man, is he a phony baloney politician. <laughs> he's just so fake and politician-y. And I just, he just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Like I really disliked him after Melissa, meeting him. He did that to a lot of Americans when he ran for president. And I, think that, I think that that has a lot to do with what people think about members of our church. I do think oh, that there are a lot of people that think members of our church are false, happy, false, like nice, fake everything. Yeah, that's, that's how we came across. Yeah. And I think that I really do think that a lot of people in America 
think of members of our church exactly like that. That is interesting. Schmoozy politicians. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. So, well, anyways, he announced he's not going to run again. The reason I thought it might be related to your last story is because I have heard that Tim Ballard might be wanting to run for oh, Mitt Romney's geez. Senate seat. Oh, so I, I just a side side note there. Wow. Um, wow. But, um, but so in kind of looking back at his career, a lot of people are saying like, yeah, like he really has shaped the way that Americans look at Mormons, right? Because, because the Olympics, right? He, sure. he the Olympic games was huge um, yeah. for the world's impression of us. And then presidential candidate for the, well, and he voted to um, impeach president Trump. Yep. And and he said that he did that partially on religious basis, right? Like yeah. moral grounds. And so he he kind of related that to Mormonism. So Did you know that he was the first president in the or the first person in the history of the United States, first senator to vote to impeach a president of his own party? Of all the I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, he was the first one to ever do it. Okay. Okay. And not the last because he did it again later. Yeah. Well, I think that we've had a lot of LDS senators retire, but I think that Mitt Romney, again, is well known for being the Mormon senator. And I, yeah. and I think that as we look back at his legacy, that's what's going to be known a lot about him. Yeah. Okay. What you got? Okay. So hot off the presses this week, oh. Richard Richard Bushman, he's known for rough stone rolling. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote a biography of the gold plates. A biography? Which is kind of weird, right? Because biographies are about people. About people, but, okay. But you know how a biography is a story of a person's life? Yeah. He wrote a book all about sort of like the life of the, of the gold, gold plates. Okay. Uh-huh. And then Grant Hardy, I don't know if you know who he is. Uh-uh. He's a religious historian. And 10 years ago, a little bit more, he wrote a book um, called uh, A Guide to Reading the Book of Mormon. And it was published by Oxford University Press. So it's it's like for a person who's not a member of the church and doesn't know the Book of Mormon, here's some stuff you could read alongside the Book of Mormon to help you understand the Book of Mormon. Okay. He's now published with Oxford University Press something called an annotated version of the Book of Mormon, where it combines all of that stuff along with the text of the Book of Mormon. So you don't have to do the side by side. You have it all together in one book. Okay. And this just got... Just published? got published yep, okay. with Oxford University Press. Okay, gotcha. So is, is this a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one. No deal. deal. Matt, oh. I knew you were going to think this is a big deal. I'll just quickly say why it's no deal. Yeah. Literally, no one's going to read it. But I hope that... So the gold plates, I don't know, because it's a history book, right? But... But this one about the Book of Mormon, it really is like, it's hard to read the Book of Mormon and understand it. And he, like, all you get is these little paragraph things that who knows in the church wrote these little paragraph things. He's got like a whole lot of like a huge introduction of like each book. And then if you want to know all the questions people have about like what happened with this manuscript and this, like he's got a ton of information there all in one place that people who've never read the Book of Mormon before could read it and understand all of this stuff that like we've learned over a lifetime. Okay. I think as an educator and a scholar, you would be super excited about this. <laughs> and I might even probably open it up and look at it and, and read it a little bit. So sure. That's okay. great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Here's our last one. Uh, it's easy. Elder Holland is released from the hospital and is recuperating at home. That Big sounds deal, like a little deal. No deal. Three, two, one. Big, Big deal. deal. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Elder Holland. 
Yeah, I'm glad that he's finally released from the hospital. I'm glad that he's starting to feel better. Mm. I'm sure it's been a really difficult time being ill after his wife, you know, just passed. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, he's home and he's he's doing better. So that is really exciting news. I've never spent a lot of time in the hospital, but I, I know a few people who have. Mm-hmm. And extended stays in the hospital like suck the life out of you. It, it can be so hard. Um, so a lot of times people don't make it after extended stays in the hospital. So I'm That's glad true. he's home. Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. It's time for Mormons doing goodly. I have a really fun story. All right. I'm ready. Speaking of elderly people, um, in, in Rexburg, there's a, um, I don't know. the Yeah. Rexburg, Idaho. I don't know the kind word to say of a place where old people live or retirement home, maybe old person's home. Yeah. Something like that. Super, super kind, Melissa. It's way, descriptive, that's all. Never put me in an old person's home, by the way. Okay. okay. Well, so they decided that they were going to take their golf carts and drive away from their homes. Uh-huh. And they went to the water park in Rexburg. That's there's, adorable. I love this already. There's only like four weeks out of the year when you can swim at the water park in Rexburg. <laughs> I hope they decorated them with like party lights, their golf carts with like party <laughs> lights and like, you know, when kids do a bike parade and they like decorate yeah. it. I hope they did that with the, their golf carts. That okay. wasn't in the story, but okay. they went to their, in their golf carts and they brought ice cream treats and then they gave them to the kids oh. and just handed them out and visited with people at the water park for a while. Oh, that's lovely. That's cute. I think it's great. I think that um, it's really hard once you hit a certain age of life and people aren't around or visiting you. It's it's easy to feel kind of lonely and sad. Yeah. And so I love that they were kind of looking outside of themselves and saying, we're going to go do something for other people rather okay. than hoping they'll do stuff for us. Yeah, that's cool. You're right. That's a great story, Maddie. Mormons do goodly so much, Melissa. We're so good. It's true. I like it when we can point out little things, though, that are kind of everyday things that, that people are doing. I think that's cool. Yeah. Okay, it's time for general conference predictions. We just have a few minutes left, but general conference is coming up in a couple of weeks, and um, it's traditional that we make some predictions. And we have some inside information, right, Melissa? Well, I did ask my mom to give us inside information, but she refused to. For listeners who don't know, our mom works for the um, broadcasting side of the church. So um, whenever there's like music in the spoken word or a, a conference broadcast, devotional stuff like that, she's what's called a music reader. So she works with the director and the producer to make sure that all of the musical shots are done correctly. And so in order to, I guess, um, do scripting or, or get prepared for that, they send her the conference talks and all of the conference musical numbers a couple weeks in advance so that they can start to mark those scripts up. So also she, she puts the stuff into the teleprompters. So she knows yeah. everything that's going to happen in general conference. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I did ask her like, do you see the temple predictions ahead of time? And she, she does, does, but she would never say anything. Oh, I have no. been coming up with a scheme where I intercept her mail before oh. she gets it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's worth losing my integrity over, but it does seem fun. So I'm, I'm gets, winning it. I'm she winning gets it. fired because all this stuff's on the podcast. <laughs> How did that get out? How did that get out? Okay. okay so our inside information isn't helpful. No, we have, we actually have none. We did put a link in the show notes to um, a person who does a really great um, recap of like the growth in the church 
and where that means that temples should probably go, like according to where the church is growing. So if you want to look at that to get like some educated guesses, you're welcome to. But I am not going to give you educated guesses. I'm going no. to give you just flat out guesses. Now, I refuse to consult that document. I do too. I, I don't really care. I just want to go by inspiration. Okay. Yeah. Now I made this prediction last time and you laughed at me and it did yeah. not come true, but I'm still going to guess again for a Fillmore, Utah temple. Okay. What? Fillmore, Utah. I'm willing to spread it out this time just for the sake of potentially being right to Fillmore or um, Richmond, Richfield, Richfield, the one that's kind of to the west of east of it. Anyways, um, Fillmore, there's not a temple between um, Payson and Cedar City. So you've got Cofort, you've got Fillmore, you've got Cofort. Beaver. Cofort with his five missionaries. Turn it out there. I don't really know. <laughs> Scipio and that gas station. It's about two and a half hours with no temple is all I'm saying. And and no Maverick gas stations either. Two and a half hours. Um, Fillmore. So since Fillmore is the only place there's a Maverick gas station, I think that should also be the location of the next temple. Okay. okay. So that's my, guess. that's my guess number one. My uh-huh. second guess, I also guessed six months ago and got a laugh at Rigby, Idaho. No. Rigby, Idaho. I'm throwing it out there again. I think they're getting a temple. Now, you know that in Rexburg, Idaho, they have two temples that are to the be, north. And they're going to have two temples on the same street. On the same street. I know. But listen, those temples serve students, right? No. If I live in Rigby and and I'm not associated with BYU-Idaho, I want my own temple. I don't want to have to make an appointment at one of the two temples on the same street. I don't know. I'm just saying. Or go all the way to Idaho Falls. Okay. Okay, fine. Listen, again, these are based on no education at all. Yeah, that's okay. I, like I have it. two more guesses, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, Tremont in Utah. I live in Cache Valley. Uh-huh. Tremont is um, west of Cache uh, Valley. A five-minute walk from Brigham City? Uh, okay. Ish. ish. Okay. But listen, Cash Valley, we're losing our temple. It, uh, the Logan temple is going to be, um, redone. Renovated? We're building a Smithfield temple, but it's not even anywhere near completion. Brigham city is done, but it's a very small temple. And Tremont is a community that's growing. And I feel like I'm just going to throw it out there anyways. I like it. I like it, Melissa. Okay, I have one more because six months ago, I could not have predicted when President Nelson announced the four temples in one city, right? The Mexico City four temples. That was mind blowing and I loved it. So I'm thinking something like that somewhere in Brazil. I don't know geography enough to know where, (laughs) but I know Brazil. I'm calling a Mexico City sort of thing in Brazil. Wow. Okay. I'm sure they have large cities there that are like Mexico City where it's hard to get around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm predicting that there will be fewer than... No, I'm predicting that there will... Let's just do over or under 15 temples. Do you say there will be over 15 or under 15? Under. And I'm taking the over. Over Over 15. 15 temples announced. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. We've got a little wager. That'll be fun. And I'm also saying that they will... They announced that temple in Russia. Now maybe I'm biased. They're <laughs> yeah. gonna they're gonna unannounce that temple in Russia. Unannounce <laughs> the temple. By the way, <laughs> they've done it before. They said, "Yeah, there was one that was going to be built in like Connecticut or something like that." And they said, "You know what? Instead, we're going to build it in New York City." So okay, that's not going to happen. Okay, how about this for a prediction? Okay, they're going to announce the Far West Temple. Now we already have the cornerstones laid. 
and it was already <laughs> announced in 1838. <laughs> okay. President okay. Nelson is going to announce that we're finally going to complete the Far West Temple. Now, it can't okay, be very okay. big because okay. there's nobody out there. Okay. But maybe it'll be like a first pyramid-shaped temple. And it'll like start with these. (laughs) Okay, you're going way off the rails. I know that I said Tremont in Utah and you thought we're going big, but like, okay, all right. All right. Uh, Let's talk about this. Last conference, there were only two female speakers total. There were five sessions of conference. And in those five sessions, there was a total of two female speakers. I was gravely disappointed. Do you think that's going to be addressed this session? They're going to go way higher because don't they have a new young women's general presidency? They do. Yes. Is there a new primary presidency? Uh, Probably. Yeah. So I think they're going to go heavy in the female speakers. I hope that they will. I would, I would love to see that. Frankly, I, I don't like it when we don't have very many female speakers. Since you brought that up, I think our new, this is just, this is just throwing something out there. Wait, wait, wait. On that same topic of female speakers, we're going to go over, under, Melissa. Oh. Over over or under five female speakers? Under. Uh, I think we're going to go under. Under five? Yeah. I sadly think so. Is it bad if I say push and I think it's exactly five? Okay. Yeah. You can say push. I say five and you say less than five. Yeah, I do. Okay. They're going to, okay. Okay. I, I hope not. I hope it's over. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so I think with our new young women's general presidency, I think we're going to see a significant policy change from this new young women's general presidency and their board. I don't know what it will be, but I'm, I'm guessing a significant policy change or okay. program change from the young women. So everything I know about them, I learned at this week in Mormon's podcast. So I don't know a lot about them. But you're not saying it's going to be something like, let's get rid of modesty standards or let's get rid of dating. Do you think it'll be something social media related or do you think it'll be like, like what kinds of things, where do they have latitude that they could make a a change? I don't know. I just feel like they've been thinking outside of the box and that we're going to see something big from them. Okay. I always worry about mentioning Botox when we're on the topic of female speakers. Okay. But sometimes I feel like I can tell that somebody's (laughs) been using Botox. (laughs) Am I going to notice with this new young women's presidency? Am I going to be like, I think they're using some Botox. Botox on at least one of them. Here's the thing. And I I don't know. I'm not speaking like specifically about any specific presidency. Okay, I am the old primary presidency. I don't know if they're still in. I feel like this is what happened. Before they went to general conference, they had them all go to the same salon where they got the same hair color and haircut. And then they took them to a makeup artist. Then they took them to a tailor who gave them all the same suit, but in different colors. And then they learned how to primary colors wave. Red, yellow, and blue. I was like, they're so, 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 I don't know, like trying to fit this mold anyway. Yeah. We you are not what we are. We're hmm. judgmental BYU students. I'm not That's judging anything on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, like Meg Ryan, when she was in that first Top Gun movie, I was like, she is so beautiful. But now there's a new movie with Meg Ryan and David Duchovny in it, and I'm like, I do not recognize this woman because she's got so much Botox that I'm like, okay. what happened to Meg Ryan? So I just. It's for me, it's really noticeable when somebody does Botox. And so I just wondered, like, okay, that's, that's a wonder. That's a prediction we could make, right? Would we okay, notice sure. Botox? Will we or will we not? Over or under two Botox notices, Matt? 
<laughs> I don't want to judge. I just okay. want to just want to know. I'm not saying if it's bad or good. Do you? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us along. Do okay. you think we will have any specific topics discussed or focused on? Last conference we had two about patriarchal blessings, which I never would have imagined. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there will be no talks about LGBTQ issues. None oh, about interesting. that. Okay. And okay. I think there will be none about abortion. Okay. Um, and I think there will be none about guns. Okay. Um, I can't wait I to play th- conference mingle about what there won't be talks about. I don't think there will be tithing. I Sabbath day. There's going to be a talk on the Sabbath day. Okay. Okay. I think we're going to have talk on... Um, on a focus on the youth and how successful FSY is being. So the new for the strength of youth pamphlet and the for the strength of youth camps. I think we'll hear about that. Yeah. That's my, that's my prediction. Well, and I can always predict a talk about temples because that happens every session. That is true. I also wonder, um, this is our second time having the Saturday evening session, just be a fifth session of conference. So it's not for primary children. It's not for women. It's not for priesthood. It's just another conference session. Yeah. Do you predict that that's going to carry forward forever? You know, I think that if it wasn't going to happen this session, they would have told us by now, right? They would have said. It's going to happen this session. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying like, I, it's I boring. Think they really, I think, I know. I think they really want it though, because yeah. it takes a lot of pressure, speaking pressure off of the first presidency. The okay. old way, the first presidency had to give like three talks per session. Yeah. And this makes it so they don't have to give as many talks. Okay. How about four sessions? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? I don't know. Or so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just think there used to be so many traditions associated with it. Like it was girls' night when there was the priesthood session, right? Yeah. And then when it was the Relief Society session, like the boys would all go out and get ice cream. And I don't know. It just yeah. it was kind of a fun tradition, sort of an evening, and, and now and it's just another a, session. Yeah, there used to be a welfare related session. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I don't think we're getting rid of that. Okay. Well, that's all my predictions. How about you? Those are our predictions, listener. Okay, great. That we was hope fun. that we hope that we're right on every single one of them. Every single one of them. Mary, every there... time I see the Luxor Casino in Las Vegas, I think, you know what? That's a good design for the Far West Temple. If ever they decide <laughs> to build a Far West Temple, I hope you're right on that prediction, Matt. I really, really do. <laughs> Hey, listener, we encourage you to subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media, at Facebook and Twitter. Um, I do have another podcast that I do with my friends called The Latter-day Lens. That's kind of fun to listen to. Yeah, I think if you like listening to This Week in Mormons, you'll love that podcast as well. Um, our tag on all social media is at The Real Twim. Yeah, that's that's right. And if you want to send us email, you can send it to contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You could visit our website, thisweekinmormons.com, to leave a voice comment. And you can become a Patreon subscriber. Um, If you go to Patreon slash This Week in Mormons, it unlocks bonus content. You get this episode sooner than everybody else gets it. I'm a Patreon subscriber, and I love it. And it's just a couple of bucks a month if you want to be a part of that. And the Twin do interact with you a lot more over there on Patreon. So it's kind of a fun way to interact. So thanks, listener, for listening to the original Mormon News Podcast. Have a good week.